Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. We're going to pick up in Genesis 16, if you want to turn with me to Genesis 16. Now, kind of give a little context about where we are at Genesis 16. Uh, this is a little bit before Abraham was promised to have descendants, right? This is about 10 years later. And uh, so Abraham right now, he's, he's about the age of 85. Uh, his wife, uh, uh, Sarai, is 75. And for the sake of confusion, Sarai is Sarah and Abram is Abraham, right? We all understand that. They haven't had that name change yet, but I'm going to refer to them as Sarah and Abraham um, just because that's what we're most familiar with. A little context about where we are right now. So they've been waiting on a son on, for a child for 10 years now. And, you know, God has promised Abraham, hey, look, you're going to have all these descendants that are going to number the stars. Uh, they're going to number uh, the sand on the seashore. Like, they're going to, you're not going to be able to count them, right? And it's been 10 years since um, God has promised Abraham that and still nothing, right? So uh, Sarah and Abraham, they're getting frustrated because who knows one of the greatest battles this life has to offer is infertility, right? Um, I know we've had some church members who've had a battle that. My parents actually had to wait eight years before, before having a child. And I know they've told me stories of, I think mom had to have a shot in her stomach like three times a day for a few years. Like they were trying everything, like in her, in her stomach. Like they were trying everything to have a baby. They were doing this for eight years. until so eventually they had my oldest sister, Sarah, and then my other sister, Hannah, and then they had to save the best for last for, with me. And they had me five years later. But um, who knows infertility, man, that's a battle, right? That's something that, that's, because God has promised, hey, go out and multiply. But who knows, that's a hard battle to take on. So this is what they're struggling right now, right? This is, they're struggling with infertility. And so that's kind of like the context of where we uh, pull up in scripture. Um, so will you stand with me as we read it? Um, in honor of God's word. And uh, so this is Genesis chapter 16, uh, verse 1 through 4, and it reads this. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Abraham didn't um, subject to that. Perhaps I can have children through her, she said. And Abram agreed with Sarai's uh, proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message, The Conception of Deception. The Conception of of deception. With that being said, y'all may be seated, and uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, God, that we have open minds and soft hearts, that we're ready to receive uh, what you want to portray to us, God. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is here already, and he's going to communicate whatever needs to be communicated, God. Also, Father, the Rockets are playing tonight, God. Help them defeat the Warriors, God. God, may, may James Harden's jump shot be pure, May Chris Paul have court vision to dish out the assist, God. In the name of Jesus, 
We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Got any Rockets fans in the house? Now, who hates the Warriors? I know I do. Man, every year, man, it's just, man, every, they're always in the way. But game five is tonight, right after this service. So don't worry, I'll be quick because you know where I'll be, okay? Um, so uh, with that being said, I kind of want to kick off tonight with a story. Now, I've kind of talked about this story before uh, when I've been up here about I'm going to talk about it kind of like a different perspective. And so uh, a few years ago, I was about 16, 17, uh, me and my friends Sammy and my parents, we went to the beach, and we went to um, North Padre Island by uh, Corpus Christi, and we wanted to go kayaking. And so we, we hauled the kayaks, and we went out to the beach, and so me and Sammy are in the kayaks, and they're, they're these little kayaks. I mean, they're meant for basically ponds. You know, they're not meant for, for going out in the, in the bay. Um, so me and Sammy are in the kayaks and we're going around, we're having fun, we're going little circles. And I, I look in the distance and I spot this island about an, a mile offshore. And I spot this island and you can't really see what's on the island, but I can make out like houses and I kind of see like a boat going around it. And so I look at Sammy and we're like 16 years old at the time, like Sammy, dude, that's where the party's at. Like you see that place over there? The party's going on on that island right now. So I look at him and said, let's, let's do it. Let's make this trip. Let's kayak out to this island that's about a mile away. And so me and Sammy have all these high expectations for this island. I later learned that this island is called Bird Island, and there's a reason for that. And so we're making it out to this island. We're kayaking, and it's way tougher than we thought because these are, you know, little kayaks. We're out in the bay, and we're fighting the waves. And um, we're getting closer and closer to this island, and, like, I don't see any people, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're in, the, in these houses, these beach houses, and they're having fun. So we still have high hopes. And then we finally get to this uh, bird island. We finally get to it, and we step out, and my foot goes about two feet deep in seaweed. Because, like, it was just, like, nasty and like this. I, like, lost my flip-flop. I was kind of upset. But I was still, like, you know, like, hey, you know what? You know, maybe there's people, like, you know, they're in their beach house or something. We're going to have fun. But so me and Sammy were walking around this beach house, and we realized it is not what we thought it was. We, we look at these beach houses, and they, they're so run down. Like, nobody has even stepped on that island in, like, 10 years or whatever. Like, everything was run down. Like, it was deserted. It was nasty. And it's called Bird Island because there's bird poop everywhere, and there was birds flying around everywhere. And, uh, and so we were so disappointed because we had these high expectations for, these, for this island, and we kind of felt like we were tricked. And we kind of felt like, like we were going out and, and, and we were really disappointed because from far away it looked promising, but the closer we got, we realized it's not what we expected. It's not what we wanted. If you kind of know where I'm going with this story, don't you know sometimes like what the truth and the trick, like, like the truth and the lie can look really similar from far away, right? Like they can look like you can't really make the difference between them until you bring them in closer, right? Like, like you know, when you first meet uh, a you know, a guy or a girl, and they seem really nice from afar, but the closer you get to them and the more you get to know them, you're like, oh, they're really not that nice. You know, they're not really, you know, that, you know, or you see like a meal from far away and the, and the waiters bring it to you and you're so excited and it looks good and it smells good and it comes closer and they're closer and then you taste it and you're like, I feel like I've been tricked, right? And uh, so that kind of reminds me of this story that we just read, right? Because they, Sarai and Abram, or Sarah and Abraham, 
they had this truth from God, but they, they were tricked into speeding it up. And see, a lot of times it's, it's not that we lose sight of the promise, right? It's not a lot of times we, we forget about where we're going, but it's not that we, we lose sight of the promise, but we get lost in the process of it. All right, it's not that we forget who we are or we forget what we want or we forget what God promised us. It's that we, really, we, we don't know or are unsure on how to get there. And so this is where Abram and Sarai or Abraham and Sarah are at. You see, from far away, the truth and the trick look really similar, but you have to get closer to it to know what is lie and what is truth. And see, 10 years prior to what we read in Genesis 15, 4, this is, this is when God is promising Abraham that he's going to have a son. Because, see, Abraham, you know, he's, you know, 75, 85 years old right now, and he's telling God, he's saying, God, you're telling me I'm going to have all these descendants but right now, all I have is servants, right? I don't have a son. I don't have a daughter. Right now, my only heir will be a servant that I have. And then God promised him. He said, said no, 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 you're going to have a son in the future. And with that being said, it's kind of, then it, when, you, when you read this, right, which was just a chapter earlier, you kind of see where Sarah was coming from, right? And you kind of see why she, how she was tricked because she says, hey, well, God told that, you, Abraham, that you're having a son. He didn't say that necessarily I was having a son, right? So maybe the truth is that Hagar is supposed to be this, give you the son that God promised. Maybe Hagar is the truth. And like a quick history lesson, because who, who knows, right, when you don't know what's true and what's lie, that's when it's easy to be deceived, right? Because you don't know what the truth is, so it's easy to fall for the lie. And a quick history lesson and spoiler alert for for the story, because now we're going to talk about um, Ishmael was not the promised son, right? Isaac was, right? But kind of quick history lesson of Ishmael and Isaac is that, you know, because a lot of dominoes started falling with the birth of, I, or of Ishmael, because, right, that came from, you know, all the Islamic faith, and that came Muhammad, and that's where they all come from. And on the flip side, Isaac, that's where, you know, Judaism can be tracked, and then eventually Christianity, because Jesus came from the line of Isaac. So a lot of uh, things came from a, from a decision, from that one decision. A lot of th came, things came in fruition. But see, deception is always the aim of the enemy. It's all the, the enemy's number one aim is always to deceive us and to try to trick us and try to think that we're on the walk of truth, but when really we're being tricked. See, John 10, 10 says that the thief right comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So I'm, I'm tired of us being deceived by a defeated devil. Is anybody with me, right? I'm tired of us being constantly deceived by somebody who's already defeated. And so that's what we're going to go into tonight because the enemy's number one goal is to, uh, is to pervert the promises of God, right? That's the enemy's number one goal. Because, see, all perversion means is to twist and to alter, and, and it's to mess up, right? To, to take the truth and kind of make circles with it and bend it around. And if, if there's one thing I see is that the enemy is trying to pervert, right, everything around us, right? He's trying to pervert our marriages, our, our families, our government, our schools, right? There's an attack right now of the enemy trying to pervert the promises of God for us. But I don't know if you're with me, but I'm tired of being deceived by the devil. See, the enemy is trying to pervert 
the truths of society. Because the enemy knows if he can pervert the truth, right, if he can get you to, to, to miss the truth, he can get you to miss God's blessing, right? And he can, get, and he can deceive us and he can trick us. Because right, a lot of times it's not, it's, it's, it's deception and confusion. It's, that's the greatest tools of the enemy, right? It's not, he doesn't really have power over you, but he, he can try to trick you. He can try to deceive you. He can try to make you make the mistake. He can't make you make that mistake. See, a lot of times it, it's not that we struggle with direction. Again, it's we struggle with deception, right? It's not that we don't know where to go. Sometimes we get confused on the road to where we're going. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What we're going to talk about is like, what are some of the first, like, what are the first signs that I'm being deceived right now? What are some signs that I might be being tricked right now? Right? What is the conception of deception? Right? What are some the first moments I can tell so I can stop and say, yeah, you know what? This isn't truth. I feel like I'm being tricked right now. So we're going to go over the passage of Scripture that we just read, and we're going to go a little deeper into it, and we're going to see what are some of the telling signs that Abram and Sarai are being deceived. Are you all ready tonight? So the kind of first sign that you might be deceived is, are you trusting others' opinions over God's instructions? So when are you trusting others' opinions over God's instructions? You see, Abraham knew, right, that he was supposed to have a son with Sarah, right? He knew that, right? But Sarah came up to him and said, are you sure? Right? Are, are you sure? Like, I, I know God told you that, but I think, we can make, I think we can get by with Hagar, right? I know God told you that a son is promised, but maybe we can get by. Maybe we can get through this process if, if we do it through Hagar, right? And he, he trusted the, man, the, the opinion of man over the instruction of God. I think there are so many promises waiting for us, waiting for us, but we're, we're so, uh, pay so much attention to what others think and what others' opinions are about us. I think there's so many people who live their entire lives trying to please people or change others' opinions, but instead, instead of just being obedient to God, right? They live their entire lives thinking, hey, you know what, if, if this person tells me I need to be like this and this person's opinion is about me, and they, they live their entire lives directed by the opinions of others, right? And they, they live their lives enslaved by the thoughts around them and about the opinions around them. But, right, sometimes you got to know, you know what, what God says about me is what I'm going to trust. Right, what God says about me is what I'm going to trust. But here's the thing: is it, it's 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 not that you should not care about those people. But it's something you need to realize is that their opinions don't matter. That their opinions really do not matter. What they're saying about you really does not matter. Why does it not matter? Because there's only one person in this world who knows the true you, right? Knows your true value, right? Knows who you really are, right? And only his opinions and thoughts matter. And so when he tells you something, when God tells you something, you have to already know that what he is saying trumps what everybody else is saying, right? Trumps what, what this world is saying, trumps what, what you know, whatever you're, uh, what anybody is trying to oppose you is saying. See, I'm a big fan of wise counsel, right? I love going up to my parents and, and to people above me and asking for wise counsel, but I know the loudest voice in my life has to be my father in heaven, right? 
I know that the, the loudest voice in my life has to be the voice of God. Because as much as I love counsel, right, they're not my God, right? As much as I, as I love taking counsel, they're not the ones who lead me. My Father in heaven is the one who leads me. So if, if, if you want to know, hey, maybe I'm being tricked right now, maybe I'm being lied to right now, is you got to ask yourself, am I trusting others' opinions over God's instructions? See, here's the truth. God is the only one who knows the true you and your true value, so only his opinion is the one you should care or listen to. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't listen to me, listen to God. <laughs> so that's the first point. But here's the, here's the second sign. Hey, maybe, maybe I'm being lied to right now is am I relying solely on my own abilities, right? Am I relying just on what I know how to do right now? You see, Sarah and Abraham, right, they just started relying on what they could do. They said, hey, you know what? I know, God, you said you can do it this way, but I know we can do it through Hagar, right? I know, God, you said that we should have a son, but I know that on our own ability, I can do it with Hagar. And they, they asked themselves a very scary question. They asked themselves, how can I make this happen without God? That's a question they asked themselves. How can I make this promise God has told me, how can I make this promise God told Abraham happen without God? And who knows that's a scary question to ask in your life. And so they started, they, they relied solely on their own ability. But let me tell you something. God is always going to operate outside of your ability, right? God is always going to out, operate outside of what you're capable of because that's what makes him God, right? That's what makes him our provider. That's how you know he's the one who is leading us because he's going to do things that we couldn't do otherwise on our own. Let me tell you, if you're, if you're constantly finding yourself operating only on what you're capable of and you're making it happen just because you're like, and, and you're solely on your strength and not on God's power, let me tell you something, God's not in it right now, right? Because you have to have those moments where you say, God, I, I don't see how I'm going to do this. I don't see how it's possible, but I'm going to trust you anyways, right? Those are the moments when God's power shows up, Amen. You have to have those moments. See, God's plan always is going to require God's power. See, if God puts a promise on your life, he's always going to follow up of showing out and showing up, right? God's never going to give you a promise and hand it to you and say, now you do it, right? And then you go and you do it. No, he's going to hand you a promise, and he's going to say, now try, try your best and let me handle the rest right? You show up, right? You show out, and I'm going to show my power, right? And that's how we can show, that's how we show faith. Say, God, I don't see how I'm doing this. I don't see how it's going to happen, but I'm going to be obedient anyways. So you want to see a way, like if you're being tricked right now, you got to ask yourself, am I relying just on my abilities right now? Am I just relying solely on what I'm capable of? Because when you've taken God out of the equation, you're never going to find the correct answer. I mean, I'm going to say that one more time. If you take God out of the equation, you're never going to find the correct answer in your life. Come on. The third thing you got to ask yourself, hey, man, if you ask yourself if you're being tricked or lied to, is you got to ask yourself, are my insecurities leading my decisions? Are my insecurities leading my decisions? You see, Abraham and Sarah, they were insecure about their age. They say, God, I know you promised this, but we're old. 
and 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 so they say, God, we're old, so you know what? We're gonna take this 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 thing, this truth, this promise into our own hands, and they made a decision based on an insecurity. Don't make decisions based on insecurity, right? Don't make the bad decision just because you think you're not worthy enough or you're not capable enough of making the right decision. See, don't say, don't, don't be like, well, I would start reading the Bible, but I don't feel worthy enough to read the Bible. Or I would be praying, I would have a prayer life, but I don't really feel worthy enough to have a prayer life. Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus is what makes you capable and is what puts, a, is what, is what gives you the, is what qualifies you for the promises of God is, is the blood of Jesus. You see, when God looks down on you, he doesn't just see insecurities or he doesn't see what's wrong with you, right? He sees his son. Right? And that's what, I, that's what I love about Jesus. That's what I love about the promises of God is that he looks down at us and he doesn't see imperfection. He sees perfection. Right? He doesn't see insecurity. He sees his son. And that's when, whenever you make a decision, don't first question, ask yourself, well, well am I scared of this or am I afraid of this? Just ask yourself, hey, I know Jesus is on, in, inside of me. I know that if I just operate and I follow him, he's going to follow through. Because that, if that's one thing the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to always to be avoiding things that challenge you, right? He always wants you to, to avoid what's hard. He wants you to avoid uh, what challenges your insecurities. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to trap you in your comfort zone. See, he knows if I trap them in their comfort zone, they'll never be capable of the, of the promises of God. Because the promises of God only happen outside of your comfort zone. And the enemy knows, hey, if I trap them with insecurity, they're never going to challenge their comfort zone. They're never going to step out. If I keep on reminding them of the mistakes they've made or what they're not capable of or where they're weak at. But let me tell you something, church. When, when the enemy tries to tell you what you're not capable of, right, you remind him of 2 Corinthians 12, 11, of saying where I am weak, he is strong, right? Where I'm not capable, he is capable, right? Where I am inferior, he is fear, right? Where I don't think I have it, I know God has it all. When, when the enemy responds with insecurity, we always got to respond, hey, no, I have the son living on the inside of me. Well, that's the third point. If you're, if you're asking yourself, am I being tricked right now? You have to ask, are insecurities leading my decisions? Are y'all getting this tonight? The next one thing you got to ask yourself, and, and we're about halfway done. I told you the Rockets games after this. I'm going to speed it up. I'm just kidding. Holy Spirit will lead. But with this next point, you got to ask yourself, am I contradicting my convictions? Am I contradicting my convictions? Because who, who knows Abraham knew he was not supposed to sleep with Hagar, right? That's kind of like, right, outside of marriage. He knew he wasn't supposed to do that. But he said, you know what, I'm going to contradict my conviction, try to make God's promise happen, right? And who knows that God's promises and blessings on your life will never cause you to contradict your convictions, or never cause you to contradict your convictions. And if you find yourself contradicting your convictions to do something or to say something, you're being tricked right now. You're being deceived right now. That's one of the, enemy, one of the ways the enemy is trying to, to trap you is that he's trying to convince you contradict your convictions you see that's something you always got to ask yourself before you step into something before you step into a decision saying am i contradicting my 
convictions right now? Am I compromising my values right now? And that's a good sign whether or not you should or should not do something. See, Scripture says put first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be given unto you. So that's when, some, that's when you take that, you have to take that in knowing of saying, you know what, I could step outside my values and maybe that looks like it'll be easier for me to receive something or step into something. But I got to trust God of knowing that if I hold his ways above my ways, he will take care of me, right? If I hold what he says above what the world says, he's going to provide for me, right? If I, if, I, if I put his ways higher than what these, the world says needs to be higher, right? I know that he's going to be there for me. And you got to stand on those promises that if we just put his ways first, the rest will take care of itself. You see, having faith is saying, you know what, God? I'm going to stick to my values no matter what. Right? I'm going to stick to my convictions. I'm going to stick to who I am. Because what the enemy's trying to do, right, like we're talking about, he's trying to pervert that. And he's trying to say what, like Sarah said, he's saying, well, is that really no, uh, is that really what your convictions are? Is that really a value of yours, right? And he's trying to trick you, and he's trying to trap you, and he's trying to deceive you. But the world is always going to put pressure on your character when the decisions get tough, right? Whenever the pressure gets highest, and, and it seems like these decisions are get, get at its most crucial, it seems like that's when our character is being tested. And it seems that's when the enemy is trying to convince us this compromise. This is one time. This is one time. You won't do it again. And, and, and what he knows is that if we just compromise one time, there's going to be another time, right? And he knows if we compromise twice, then there for sure is going to be a third time. And before we know it, that's not even a value anymore. Before we know it, that conviction is gone. And before we know it, right, the enemy has perverted our promise. And we're missing out on blessings. We had no idea because of that one time we said, hey, you know what? I'm going to compromise. See, you when you put God's ways first, no blessing will ever be withheld from you. We always got to know we have to put God first. Because if I put God first and I, and I put his ways first, I know for a fact he's not going to withhold anything from me because I'm putting his ways number one. So you got to ask yourself, am I contradicting my convictions? And kind of one of the last final points for tonight, kind of last question you got to ask yourself is, have I kept my patience or I'm acting out of frustration, right? Have I kept my patience or am I acting out of frustration? See, Sarah and Abraham, we talk about they're old people. They're 75, they're 85 at this moment, and they're, they're, they're old and they're, and they're frustrated. It's been 10 years since God has told them they're going to have a son. No son has showed up. They haven't had no sign. And here's what you got to think about, right? It's been 10 years since God has promised them, but who knows? They've probably been trying for a long time probably about like 50 years by now, you know what I'm saying, because they're old. So they're frustrated by this time, you know what I'm saying? They're, 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 they're frustrated. They're saying, you know what, God, like, you, uh, you know, you promised us this one thing, but it, it, it's not happening, and they're frustrated right now. Who's ever been frustrated, right? They, they, they feel like they're, they're, they've been promised something, and they're hitting a wall, and they feel frustrated, and they lose their patience. So much so in the scripture that we read Sarah said, he said, Sarah said this, she said, the Lord has prevented me from having children. She was frustrated with God. She said, this is your fault. You're doing this to me. The Lord has prevented me, and she acted out of frustration. See, because they've been waiting for a song so long, and they didn't show up, and they lost their patience, and so they made a decision when they were frustrated. Never make a decision 
when you're frustrated. Because acting out of frustration always produces regret. Acting out of frustration always produces something that, that you wish you never did, right? Because when you're frustrated, it's when you yell at your wife, right? That's Because that's when it happens when you're frustrated. Or when you're frustrated, it's when you quit on your dreams, right? Because it's that moment where you, you're pushing and you're pushing. It's not happening. You get to a point where you just give up, right? Frustration always leads to decisions that we regret. Frustration makes you do things you told yourself you would never do. But here's the thing we got to do. We, when we get frustrated, we can't do what Sarah and Abraham did, which they turned away from God. we got to turn closer to God. Because when we're frustrated, right, we're so stirred up and we're losing hope. And, and sometimes we think the answer is to back away from God, but when really the answer is to bring him closer. Because only his presence and only his spirit is what's going to bring peace to us in that moment. And right, and only us bringing him closer, only us bringing him closer to us is going to make us say, you know what, I'm frustrated right now, God, but Jesus, I love you, right? I'm frustrated right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I've been waiting for 10 years. I've been waiting for my marriage to get right. I've been waiting for this job to come my way. I don't know why it's here. I know, God, you promised me, but you know what, God, I'm bringing you closer. I'm bringing you closer. I'm not going to let this frustration do things I, I regret. I'm not going to let this frustrations make me take action that I know I shouldn't. I'm going to bring you closer, God. I'm telling you, when you bring God closer in those moments of frustration, peace always follows, right? Because his spirit, I'm telling you, his spirit is what gives us that peace. It's only peace can give you, only God can give you peace when your confidence and all hope is gone and all hope is gone and, and what you've been waiting for hasn't happened. Only God's presence and spirit can bring you peace in that moment. So you got to ask yourself, have I kept my patience or am I, am I acting out of frustration right now? And I don't know if y'all have caught it. I don't know if y'all caught it yet. But these five points are spelled out an acronym. And it says TRICK. That's pretty cool, huh? I did that myself. So I did. I'm not tricking you. All right, I did it myself. So if you're ever asking yourself, hey, am, am, I, am I being tricked? Is this a lie? Ask yourself these five things. Am I trusting others' opinions over God's instructions? There's a good chance you're being lied to, right? There's a good chance you're being tricked. You gotta ask yourself, am I relying solely on my own abilities? If you are, there's a good chance you're being lied to, right? There's a good chance the enemy is tricking you. And then the third thing, right? Are insecurities leading my decisions? Am I contradicting my convictions? And have I kept my patience or I'm acting out of frustration, right? I did this so we can know, hey, if these things, if I'm doing one of these things, I need to check them, right, so I can know I'm not being lied to. But as I'm closing, I want to close with John 16, 13. John 16, 13. It says this. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. You see, here's the thing. We can have all knowledge, and we can have those acronyms I spent a lot of time on. We can have it. But if we are not being led by the Holy Spirit, right, if we don't have the Holy Spirit guiding us, um, we're going to be deceived. Right, we're the, the the lies and enemies of the enemy is going to come our way. A close point to to live a life of truth, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. You must be led by the Holy Spirit, because who knows? Right, we can have a, all this knowledge. Right, we can have those five points I just said, but those five points, 
right? And we might catch some things, but if we're not being led by the spirit of truth, I'm telling you, there's going to be moments where we misstep. There are going to be moments when we're led astray. Because what I love about God is that he said he sent his son to die for us, to save us. But not only that, he sent his spirit, right? He sent his spirit to give us strength. He sent our spirit to guide us. He sent our spirit to give us truth. He sent his spirit to show us what is wrong and what is not. To show us what is truth and what is not. Because what we just read, he said, the spirit is truth that's coming, and he's going to show you what is true. He is going to show you what is true. And I know I, I, I like to gather knowledge, and I love to gather all these things. I love to read books, but I know that if the Holy Spirit isn't leading, right, I can't do this on my own. Right? I'm going to miss something. If something's going to come my way, I don't know what to do. But that's why we, we, we got to know that God didn't just send his son to save us. Right? He sent his spirit to give us strength. Right? He didn't just send his son so that we may live right, and survive this life. He sent his spirit so we can thrive in this life. Right? So we know what is right and what is wrong. So we can have the power of God on the inside of us. So we can have the strength to say no. Because who knows, we need that pulling in that moment, right? When a decision, when we're making a decision and the Holy Spirit is telling, no, don't do that, right? We need that, right? We need that time when the Spirit man is, 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 is leading us in a direction and saying, hey, go this way or, or pray for this person. We need that. We need the Spirit of truth in our life. Will you stand with me tonight? See, when the rushing wind came in Acts 2, and God's Spirit was poured out upon the earth, it gave us the opportunity to walk with power. It gave us the opportunity to know what is truth and what is not. And I never want to, I never, I don't want to miss out on my chance to try to do what God wants me to do. And to do that, we need His Spirit. We need the Spirit of truth on the inside of us. Because knowledge can only take us so far, but God's Spirit is what empowers us. Before I hand this mic back to Pastor Bobby, I, I want us to pray. I just want us to pray that we received everything tonight, and I want us to pray that God is going to move on our hearts. So let's pray right now. Father, I thank you, God, that we notice the lies of the enemy, Father. That we notice, God, that, that the enemy is trying to deceive us, but also we know, God, that you have given us the spirit of truth. Also, we know, God, that there, there are ways we can catch if we're being tricked. God, I follow that right now, God, I thank you, God, that we're no longer going to value others' opinions over yours, God. I thank you right now that we're no longer going to just, just operate on our own abilities, but we're going to step into your power, God. We're going to give you full control, God. I thank you, Father, that starting tonight that we're not going to let our insecurities hold us back no longer. We're not going to let our insecurities hold us back from who we are, God, but we're going to hand them over to you, Father. I thank you, God, that we are no longer, God, going to contradict our convictions or step outside our values, but we're going to hold them high and hold them proud and know that if we stick to your ways, you're going to provide for us, God. And Father, I thank you, God, that we're not going to act out of frustration, but we're going to trust your ways, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you, God, that your spirit is in this room right now, that your Holy Spirit, that your presence is in this place tonight, Father. And we thank you, God, that you're going to just pour all over us, God, and you're just going to wrap your arms around us, and you're going to show us the way. In the name of Jesus, Father.
We love you, Jesus. Thank you for just giving us this opportunity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media 